0: Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. <laughs> uh, tough getting up. <laughs> it's a little tough this morning. Um... You know, I've been thinking over the last month, just in some of the, not just the conversations that I've had with some of, some of you guys, but uh, even in my own work, things that I'm doing, that my mind, since we've been together and talking about this, uh, thinks about work a little bit differently. Are you, are you guys approaching work a little bit? And here's the thing that I think I wanted to ask. I don't get to sit in your groups. And so I'm not hearing necessarily some of the things you guys are interacting about. But I wonder if we could just, just take it internal for a second and ask yourself a question or maybe be able to share this. Um, you could say, yeah, here's one way I'm approaching work different since we've been talking about this. I would just like to hear a couple of those. So I've got a couple guys with mics in their hands. I just want quick, brief thoughts that you're having and if you uh, just so it could be simple and brief, just want to hear a something that's hit you that you can actually tell a difference in the way you're approaching your work. So that's the question. Anybody got anything?
0: I have something just more purpose where I go to work and not just go to work to earn a paycheck. Not hesitating
2: to bring up that I'm a Christian and that, that my what my beliefs are and, and share that with, with coworkers and with um, our clients. Uh, and in the past, I'd been a little hesitant to, you know, people what, what you don't know what people are going to think about bringing that up and, and, and that and and I'm being more positive and more resolute in doing that.
0: I see in my work a lot of people, a lot of different people every day. I don't see the same people every day. I go to different grocery stores, see different people every day. And I just ask myself the question, uh, are they seeing Jesus in me in my work that I do?
1: Anyone else? Okay, so... uh we're talking about integrating your faith into your work. Thanks, guys. Uh, integrating faith into your work. Uh, so that requires, okay, like any other area of your life, because in every area of your life, your faith is supposed to be integrated into it. So it assumes that you're developing your faith. So you got to be growing in your spiritual life in order for it to manifest itself In whatever endeavor, you know, you're doing. But if you could take work as an illustration and start to tease out certain things about the way you approach work and then mentally think about them. So when you wake up in the morning and you know you're getting ready for work, you you think through the principles that govern work. They come to your mind. They enter your head. And they give God an opportunity to adjust your attitude, to envision you for the day. Uh, it's absolutely imperative that you have that kind of grid as you approach your everyday life so that you can see God at work in your life, so that you can say, yeah, there's a moment when and then even on top of that, I think the greatest moments in life, I know my greatest moments are when God speaks to me, prompts me to, to do something, to say something. Uh, and and then, you, then you sense yourself, like Martin Luther said, working with God in whatever it is you're doing. That kind of feeling that I'm working with God in an endeavor as what we might call as basic as our employment is an incredibly awesome experience. But that grid has to be working in your head. Uh, Or you'll miss that. To integrate faith with any area of your life, that grid has to be working. Uh, Something that... uh, you know, my kids are. You know, two of my sons are in, are, music, are musicians. One of them wants to be, at least at this stage in his life, he's just a junior in high school, a young junior. Every musician wants to be a musician for life. You know, a, uh, you know they want to they want to earn their living that way. Well, my son Mikey is being sort of trained by a a full time musician, and so he is getting envisioned to, you know, to be a to be a percussionist, a drummer, professionally. And of course, Nicky loves the guitar, and he would love to do it professionally, but he's, you know, he realizes he needs to make sure he can do something else too, okay, which is good, because I don't want to support him all his life. You know, I don't want to support his dream, you know, until he's... Th- Sixty, but one of the things, you know, having living with a worship leader and dealing with worship team musicians can be very, um, um, I don't know, finicky. Maybe that's a good word. That's a nice word. Okay, they can be very self focused. Uh, They can be um, they can be arrogant treat other musicians who aren't at their level certain in a demeaning way. They can, uh, you know, we can all do that, and of course we do. But musicians just have this way about them in that little circle. One of the things that I have really been trying to do uh, with my kids, at least those two especially, when it comes to music, is to to help them learn um, that it's not just about self-fulfillment in what you're doing. And it's not just about yourself. And, of course, my two sons are on this worship team, and so um, they, I, I've seen them go through this thing where they sometimes they're not playing for the right reason. And so we, we tease that out together. And this past week I texted them a picture of something that I read about John Coltrane, who was a uh, saxophonist, Uh, jazz saxophone. I think he died in 67. He was very impactful in his music. Very impactful. Um, And his last album in 65, before he died, was called The Love Supreme. And in the lighter notes in it, he says something powerful. It ends up being the uh, uh, um, sort of the impetus for one of the books that I read. And uh, And I texted it to both of them. And it reads like this, something that happened to him in 57. So this would be a decade before he passes away. He has this experience about his music. So here's a musician, uh, and you'll hear it in it. He says, during the year 1957, I experienced, by the grace of God, a spiritual awakening, which was to lead me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. I feel this has been granted through his grace. All praise to God. This album, I love Supreme, is a humble offering to him. An attempt to say thank you, God, through our work. And I love that line. We're working together. Even as we do in our hearts and with our tongues, may he help and strengthen all men in every good endeavor. And I thought about a couple of things as it related to us. Number one, the moment when God grabs a hold of you and says, this is not about you, is always a great moment. That's always a great moment. But in your work, if you could I don't care what it is you do. What it is you do, it's a service to others. Of course, there's some occupations that would fall outside of that. I I don't want to get into all of them right now, but for most of us, it's a service to others. What we do. And to think of ourselves... And to have a moment where we say, God, I'm working with you to do this job and serve in, in, in all the facets and what that means in, in my life and in my world. To have that moment, a decisive moment like that, is a great gift. And then you can hear inside of his voice uh, where ultimate fulfillment comes from. Because it doesn't come when you're the, the end all. If everything ends with you, you're never going to be satisfied. But there is something about saying, God, I'm just a channel. So last night, Nikki and I were having this conversation, and I was trying to explain to him some of the things we've been talking about. Uh, and I was telling him, you know, if, if, if it's just music for music's sake, if you pick up that guitar and you play it just for yourself, if you don't see yourself as that channel on somebody, you've got to have a moment in your life where you go, God, it's not about me anymore. The music is for you. Uh, I, w- I did a wedding this past weekend in Marble Falls. And uh, it's a simple thing to do a wedding, really, now. It's a simple thing, but it's stressful. Because you, because you screw up the best moment in somebody's life if you're not careful. And when you're when you're doing them, uh, there are a number of things. Like if you said, "Hey, would you do my daughter's wedding or my son's wedding this weekend?" Immediately in my head, uh, all of the crap of doing a wedding comes right to the surface. Oh uh, God, I got to work with a coordinator to not know what they're doing. I got to work with. You know what I'm saying? I go. So one of the first questions I ask is, "Do you have a coordinator, or do I have to coordinate it?" That's one of the first things I want to know. And both of those have their issues, because if the, somebody else is coordinating, then I got to go by their plan and how they want to do it. And, and I'm telling you, wedding coordinators are, <laughs> you know, they're. I have met the gamut of them. So this is happening in a castle in Marble Falls, and a person who owns. This castle and built it per- precisely for this person, or for this purpose to have weddings there. And uh, so I'm going there, and I've got all the things on our minds, on my mind that you have in yours as I go there. I gotta, you know, got you know, drive three, three to three and a half hours. I gotta, I gotta make sure that when I get there, I know what I'm doing. I made sure I had things for everybody else, and then I purposely said. You know, I make sure that the the bride understands that this day is about her and it's what she wants that's going to make this happy. It's not going to be about what makes me happy. Um, It's going to be about her. I was standing around just watching to make sure that she had what she needed during the rehearsal, which is the biggest pain. Okay, especially if it's an elaborate wedding like this was. So I'm just standing by, and I'm watching the bride to make sure she's sort of quiet, and, and they had a coordinator there who was pretty strong, and, you know, a strong coordinator can over overtake the bride, and, you know, it becomes the coordinator's day instead of the bride's day. So I'm watching the bride and I'm making sure that she is getting what she's because that's what my job is when I'm there. That's how I saw my job is to make sure that she gets what she needs that day and so I was, there was lots of little things that had to be done and I arrived extra early so that I could do that for her. I was just thinking of the things that we have been talking about. How can I just be a servant today to this lady? Those things impacted how I uh, handled what is just a service? It's just a service to people, just like you do every single day. How I interacted with her family, how I, uh, how I did the menial things, how I did the things that are a pain in the neck. That kind of approach to your work is—it's so much more fulfilling when, when it's when it's not about you. What I thought we would do today is sort of rehearse. A few elements of that we've learned and and have a commissioning time. Just just pray over those things in our lives. We just have a moment like Coltrane did. So I'm just going to share a couple of I'm just going to share a verse, say something about it. And then then one of the guys that we've already designated is going to come up here and just pray over you about that issue in your in your work. All right, so uh, the first one that we're going to look at is uh, well, we talked about Colossians three, and I think Colossians three has been just it's been swimming in my head since we've been doing this. Whatever you're doing, uh, do it heartily as to the Lord. Do it heartily as to the Lord, as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, realizing that Christ is your boss and realizing that you're not doing your work to please men but God. That first principle, that's, that's big enough. Now, if you can keep this one in your head clear on a regular basis, it'll obviously change the way you do any of your work. So, uh, thinking about God as you, it will affect your attitude. So right now you might have you might need an attitude adjustment as it relates to your work. We can all gripe about work. We can all gripe about what we do at some level. Uh, and we can all maybe sort of. Back off on the effort we ought to give. So maybe you're not putting the effort in, you ought to put in. And that would be something you need to take to God. Or maybe your attitude really sucks. And I'll tell you what, that sucky attitude will will destroy everything. I had a conversation with a guy this week. He was describing how he's handling a few sucky attitudes at his job. They're not his, they're somebody else's. And how it is literally stifling his company. And he's trying to manage it. Because attitude and effort are a critical things. So I'm going to ask, uh, I think we have Jeff's coming up to pray about that one. Over you. And while he's praying, if that's you, you could be saying, God. I really need help with this right now. Uh, how many of you would say, in my work right now, that's, that's, that's one I need? Let me, see, let me see your hands. Okay, that's, that's awesome.
3: Uh, go ahead. Jim, let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for the men that are here. Father, we pray for those that have been here these last few weeks uh, that might not even be here right now. But, Lord, we know that uh, we carry our hearts and our souls, our minds, with us no matter where we are. And, Father, this passage really does have uh, just so much to say. And I'm sure as Pete was reading that, there were parts of this that were just grabbing everybody's mind in a different way. Uh, Father, help us to remember again it's not about us, except that we get to participate in a world that you've placed us in. Uh, That, Father, we can practice your presence no matter where we are, no matter who we're with. And, Lord, I I think of work because, again, it was what you designed pre-fall. That was what you gave to Adam and Eve before the fall. Work was a good design and something that is part of our DNA, both physically and spiritually. And yet, Father, I know in my own heart, often my attitudes toward those that I am subordinate to sometimes probably gives me a a mirrored image of maybe how I am responding to you. I would ask, Father, that for the men here now that— we, as we have each day to get up and do things, as others who see what we do, whether it be family or friends or workplace members, And Father, we would never forget that we do it as unto you. We do it heartily. That, that really, Lord, that is that robust nature within. That is the life that we have. That is our very essence. It's heartily unto you. And, Father, if not, help us to be reminded. I pray your Holy Spirit, Father, would just capture our hearts. Protect us from doing things that are just dumb and stupid. And, Father, yet if we do fall, remind us again that we can rise again and move forward in your grace and truth. It's my prayer, Father, that it would be less of us. It would be more of you. And we would be mindful again that we have that inheritance because of what Christ has done. It's not dependent upon who we are for father you have created us and made us but it's upon who we have believed and i pray father that'll be our motivation at work we pray this in christ's name
1: okay so uh the next one is uh proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Uh, ken huffman quoted this to me after our first or second saturday together he says, do you see a person skilled in his work? He will take a position before kings. And when he was saying that, we had talked a little bit about doing about doing good work. And then we said something that hasn't left my brain, that Martin Luther said, that you're really God in disguise when you're doing what you do as a service for other people. You say, how does God care for people's plumbing problems through a plumber? How does he care for uh, someone's health issues through some medical caregiver? What we do is a service to other people. How do you get stuff delivered to you? And I love the idea that you might just be the mask of God. And so maybe or if you're a teacher, how are you doing your work for the kids, for the community, for the city that you work? In? Whatever it is you do. So I, I'm gonna. I think uh, Andrew's coming up to pray for uh, to pray for that.
0: With me, Heavenly Father, when we think about the idea of doing work well, we confess, Father, sometimes that's scary because sometimes we cut corners. We admit it, Father. We do these things. Lord, you called us to this series to recognize that our work matters. It matters to the people that we serve. It matters to you. And therefore, it should matter to us and that we do it with excellence, that we do it with humility, that we do it not to serve ourselves, but to serve those that you have put across our path, Father. Thank you for these reminders this morning, and I just pray that these guys, as they look at their work, that they recognize that you're walking alongside them, that we don't leave you at home, Father, that you walk with us every single day. And it is because of the power inside of us that we are able to care about others, that we're able to serve other people, and that we're able to give you glory in the things that you have given us to do in this wor- in this world. Father, we're grateful that the that the work that you provide for us allows us to provide for our family and serve our family. But we recognize most of all, Father, that the the reason that we that we work is because you're worthy to follow, Father you're worthy to, um, to work for, that you're a boss, that we do things with integrity, we do things with the character of Christ inside of us, Father, because you are worthy. Thank you for loving us, Father, first so that we can love other people and that we can serve other people. And we just pray that we do our work with excellence unto you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Okay, uh, here's, a, here's another one that uh, I thought you might. Uh, two passages on this subject in case uh, you, maybe, maybe you think more about what you get out of work as opposed to what you give as a result of it. So you're not, maybe you're just not a generous person. Uh, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing, I love this line, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with someone who has need. So all of a sudden, you realize that how one of the ways that Paul views labor is doing good with your hands. Doing something good with your hands—that's what we've been saying. It's a service to other people, uh, because of course, um, usually you have to use your hands to steal. Usually, not always, but usually you got to use your hands to steal. Uh, so, so we will have something to share with someone else in need. So you think about this—is the principle that you can't keep all you earn. See that? principle in there? And then he says this. This is Proverbs 21, and I love this. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. So because he refuses to work, he's basically dead for all practical purposes. All day long he craves, because that's all you can do. He's just, In other words, it's just a picture of needy. Uh, Derek Kidner, who's a uh, great commentator on Proverbs says, uh, he wishes, but 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 he doesn't work. So he has desires. He craves things. But listen to the righteous. Here's how the righteous are different. The righteous give and do not hold back, meaning they must have worked and they must have something to give away. So work is, again, seen as another channel to, to help other people. Whatever that looks like in your life. Can't keep all you have. Can't keep all you get. And and you've got to be thinking about. Other people. Because the taker just. He's going to die. in so Tim is going to come and pray. For uh, For this. For this particular thing in our lives.
4: Not sure exactly why I got assigned this one. (laughs) But uh, the Lord works in strange ways. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we say that all we have comes from you. It's all yours to begin with. Lord, we uh, we remember the parable of the talents. That uh, what you give, you expect to be used for you. That what you give is a trust to us. And as trustees, you hold us accountable. Accountable to be your hands. Accountable to use all the talents that uh, that you've given. And when we do that, we get to see your glory and reflect it back to you. See what you're doing and, and be joyful in that. As a part of that, we get to give. We get to see the joy of others as we become the conduit for what you've given us. Lord, I ask two things, that you would open our eyes to you in thankfulness for what you've given and the opportunity to use it for others. And for the second thing, Lord, open our eyes to see the others around us, the needs that they have that you want us to meet. They would not be trees walking, but would be people. It's in your name we pray, Amen. Amen.
1: Okay. I think you guys talked about this uh, last week a little bit, but Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Remember when uh, see where it is here ah, here we go remember when he called the disciples as he was going along by the sea of galilee saw simon and andrew the brother of simon casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen and that's what they did for a living and i and you gotta love that jesus comes along and says i want you to be fishers and men he just takes their their whole vocation and flips it on its head and says look at look Look at the whole idea of fishing completely differently, and maybe that's something you need. Whatever it is you do for a living, whatever service you provide, you just see it as an opportunity, at least an opportunity, to some way, shape, or form, be a light, and maybe even share the gospel. So I'm going to ask. Uh, I don't see who's who's on our list here. This Phil. Phil's going to pray to be a light. And by the way, Phil is uh, Phil's a pilot, and I meet with Phil pretty regularly. And uh, uh, just two things about him that are just really, he, he really has an ear for God speaking to him. And he never uh, never passes up. I shouldn't say never, because I think he would be really, he wouldn't like that but usually uh, takes the opportunities that God gives him in a cockpit to talk to the guy who's, who's next to him. And so we have lots of conversations about that. He tells me about all different pilots that he meets with. So you're the right guy praying over this. So go, go ahead, buddy.
2: All right, is this let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, this is a, a bit of a commission... And I feel commissioned, as you've called these disciples, to become fishers of men. And uh, every guy in this room has a particular occupation, and you can use that to your glory and, like Pete said, flip it in your service. So, Lord, as as I think about um, my commission to bring the gospel to to my world, I want to pray for these guys, that every morning we would wake up on our way to work with this idea that we're cooperating with you and what you're doing in the people's lives that we get to impact, and help us see the opportunities to be part of that, of what you're doing uh, in maybe a particular man's life or woman that we work with or a group even. Um, open our eyes to see that what you're doing and what we can, how we can cooperate. Also, give us words. Um, often, you know, I'm at a loss for words, and you give me words. And when I speak your words, you do something. Uh, you turn my water into wine. And God, I pray that you would do that for each one of us. <clears throat> And on a commission level, I can think of no uh, better words to say but what Jesus said to the disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord, we can't do this without you. We wouldn't want to. I pray that you would uh, walk with us every step of the way as we share the gospel, as we share what you're doing in our lives. Help us to be authentic, as real as we possibly can be, and give you the glory. And, and Lord, thanks so much for the message of it's not about me. It's about you. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Okay.
1: Well, you really look commissioned. I got to tell you, from here, you look commissioned. <laughs> actually, you look like you really need some coffee. That's what you look like. All right. Um, all right. So the last picture I'm going to give you, and then we'll just stand to our feet. Now, Dave's got to say a few things to you before we actually go out. But the last picture that I want to give you is I want to remind you of Proverbs 11, 10, which says, you know, when the righteous prosper, Okay? The city rejoices. When the wicked perish, the people are overjoyed because they know that if you can get the right guy in the right place, he's going he's gonna to do things with integrity. He's going to do things with righteousness. He's going to care about people. Uh, I was with a guy this past week and he was telling me the story of he has a home warranty on the appliances in his house. And his AC condenser just went out. So he called the home warranty appliance thing, and they have a set of service guys that they will use to come out and uh, assess the problem and fix it if it falls under the warranty. So this AC guy came out and said, let me tell you what's happening to your system. You've got a uh, condenser here, or I should say a, uh, yeah, outside. Because that was that what the a compressor outside is bad. And part of the problem is, is what you have upstairs, I guess that would be a condenser, um, is too small to handle that compressor. So he says, you need to call the warranty back because now you've got, you really have two problems. So he calls the warranty back and the warranty's like, we don't want to pay for two problems. That's not our problem. Whoever did that didn't do that. And so, uh, The home warranty company calls the AC guy and says, listen, you just go out there and replace the compressor because that's all we're doing. So here's your stock warranty AC guy. He's just waking up every day and says, look, just point at the compressor and I'll replace it, right? I'll make my money. You can deal with his condenser problem. You can deal with his problems. This AC guy said to the warranty company, I would never change that compressor because it won't work up there. I'm not your guy. I, I, and, and, and it, He's sitting across from me. We were having breakfast this week, and he says to me, you know, because of his integrity, because he wouldn't do work like that, the home warranty company rethought their whole thing and were sort of forced to go, well, look at the dilemma we're creating. And they' they're helping them, and then I just saw his joy over the fact that this guy's integrity would create would just put a stop on the whole thing. And that's what, that's what Proverbs means: that the city rejoices when the righteous are bringing a service that's honest and, and good work and skilled work and right work. The city rejoices. How many times do you rejoice? When you finally encounter someone who serves you in a way that is honest, real, fair, and they're good at what they do. Don't you love that? You love that. That's what he's saying there. The righteous are gatekeepers to the city. So you're a gatekeeper. You guard that service to those people. And we sat at the breakfast just sort of rejoicing over a guy. I don't even know what he looks like, but I'm really thrilled he exists in the world because my AC is going to go out at some point. And when it does, you hope you get a guy like that. All right? So uh, to close this, before Dave comes, Erling is going to come and just pray a final prayer over you. I think he's, yeah, there he is. We can come down here. And why don't you stand, guys, for this final prayer as we're praying for being gatekeepers. And then uh, you can sit back down. Dave will just say a quick announcement to you and you'll be dismissed.
0: Father, this is uh, maybe the most difficult or the foundational um, uh, commission here to be righteous. And Lord, being righteous, he calls to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. He say, um, uh, go and sin no more. Um, You really do expect us to be righteous, Father. And I pray that as we get up each day, we would think about that and um, not look at it so much as uh, doing the right thing, which I think we often use that phrase, but Lord, um, doing what you want us to do, um, being in community with you so that it feels like what we want to do as well. And Lord, um, I think we all know, too, that when we are righteous, we do see good in the community, in our families, in our workplace. And I just pray, Father, that that would motivate us and drive us as well. Um, Help us, Father, to be the men you want us to be at work and at home. In your name, amen.